Broadcasting live from Louisville, Kentucky, where the ladies are fillies, the men are sluggers, and nothing beats a trifecta. Speaking directly to your soul from the elusive wind zone command post. Established upon the doctrine of total victory. Submerged in the highest quality bourbon. This is the Swantastic Swancast. It's Friday. Show is. Let's party. Um, working on it. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was just watching uh, this. Got a head start. Yeah. I really do. We we went to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings for lunch. It was damn. Just, did damn, you watch golf? Damn good, but not worth the wait. Yeah, it took too long. Mm. Typical. No, they're not putting the Masters live coverage doesn't start till like three p.m. on Thursday and Friday. Oh, that's right. Which we got there at like one twenty. And didn't get out of there until two fifty nine. It's so slow. Oh my god! Typical B dubs. So we we almost got to see the first few minutes of coverage. Speaking of the Masters, have you guys seen this amateur? He's in the top five right now. Brian DeChambo. He's an amateur. He's the oh, rating. you said amateur. I thought you were talking about Ernie Els. <laughs> he did look like an amateur on that. Uh, that was so messed up. What was it? A six putt, seven putt from four feet. The original putt was from five feet. Like he, he had a good drive, second shot just off the green, nineteen yard chip, put it five feet from the pin, seven putt, ten, what? seven putted from five feet for That's a ten brutal. on the hole on the first hole of the Masters first round. Oh, already out of it. Done. You want to go home after that. You're like, all right, I'm going home. Yeah, if you weren't That's at it. Augusta. I mean, but you, then you just say the pressure's off. Let's have a good time. Let's play aggressive at Augusta for once in my life in the first round. Why not? But anyway, this um, Brian DeChambeau, he's the reigning NCAA champion. He's in like fifth place at the Masters right now as of Friday. About He's making the turn, I think, to the back nine. He's two under. Interesting thing about him, Landon, you'll love this because you've thought of it. He actually plays with all of his clubs the same length and weight. Oh, he did? Yeah. Wow. I asked uh, our our club pro about that years ago when I started golfing, and it was throwing me off like the six iron so long compared to the nine iron, and you know, that's another thing you have to learn. I was like, why don't they just make them all the same length and just change the, the loft? And he told me that it screws up the distance and it wouldn't work, basically. He said people have tried it. It doesn't work. But this well, guy. He was wrong because, um, so here's from the article I was reading. Um, you know, why is this a big deal? For people that don't play golf, most sets of golf clubs are from like 36 to 39 inches in length, right? So you'll, the, the shorter the distance is to the hole, the more lofted the club is, and the shorter the shaft is. So you're actually hunching down yeah, a little more. like crazy, bending those knees like crazy. <laughs> yeah, and the higher lofted clubs come in shorter to give the golfer a lower center of gravity to create more spin. That's one of the reasons why, according to this article. Um, and he's also got them all weighing the same. And this guy who's the author of The Science of the Perfect Swing believes DeChambeau might help revolutionize golf by making it more repetitive and consistent. He says, you are effectively playing every shot with a seven iron, 
a club that most players can hit fairly well. Normally, as you go with a longer club, the ball gets further away from you, but not in the case of the Chambeau. So I think that's pretty cool because that's when you get fitted for clubs, they they usually either use the seven iron or six iron as mm-hmm. like the one that they get. Those the, are always my strongest clubs. Everything perfect for, and that's the one where you're standing the most comfortably. Makes sense. And so I'm thinking, I'm kind of in the market for new irons. I think I might just take this track. So just as irons are all the same. Yeah, I'm sure the, well, it doesn't say, but I'm sure the driver's longer because that's just a different type of swing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the driver and the the fairway wood are the same. I bet they are. And the same weight, which is key too. That's pretty interesting. So his woods are the same length and and, uh, weight. Two and then sets iron, of, same length and weight. Well, we're speculating. We know the irons. We're speculating on the other stuff. That's awesome. I would and love to play irons, with irons like that. So, how long are the irons? Are they six or seven iron length? That would be pretty interesting. That's what I. That's what I. That's my guess based on what I've read. Is that they're all based on that, um, hmm. that sort of natural stance, seven iron, or whatever the optimal club length is based on his height. For a seven iron, like a custom seven iron, right? Yeah, of I course, bet his yeah. uh, pitching wedge gets so high then, because the ball speed has to be pretty much the same coming off the club. It's just what angle. Yeah, it's just the, the angle. The speed is created by how long the club is. You get more torque. You know, the yeah, the farther away, the faster the head, the head is moving. And if he's doing the same swing every time, assuming it's a full swing, then it should come off at the same speed, which means if it's going a shorter distance, it has to go a lot higher to go that shorter distance if it's coming the same speed. So I bet his wedges get way up there. Well, that's definitely going to be something. And if that's the case, you don't need as much spin. You're talking about creating spin with with the shorter club to keep it on the green or whatever. If you're going super high, it's not going to roll as much. You better hope it doesn't get too windy out there in Augusta. Yeah, I wonder what challenges he faces, but I guarantee you that if he's in the top five tomorrow saturday and over the weekend we're going to hear a lot more about this we're going to have cbs covering this to the death because literally the only player that does that and he's ncaa champion right and according to his stats you know amateur he shouldn't be doing well at the masters right his first time at the masters are you kidding me you're supposed to shoot like 80 every day and go home and be like, that was awesome. I played at the Masters. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Did the article happen to say how long he's been d- doing this? No, it doesn't. Um, I would guess it's been a while, though, because... That's yeah, you don't just yeah, you switch don't get over. used to that overnight. I'm yeah. just curious how long. Right. That's awesome. To get uh, that good with it. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Nick, I am drinking... Are we drinking the same bourbon? I poured some Rock Hill Farm. Oh, we're not. I did the Blanton's. Close. Man, it's good. Like the same mash bill, same, both Buffalo Trace, both have horses on them. You know what I think we ought to start doing? Both odd-shaped bottles. I think we ought to start mixing. Just a little blend Custom action. blends. I've done that before. Swantastic wind zone blends. Me and my buddy Smalls, we used to do three, four bourbon blends all the time. When we, were making, like when we were making back road albums. Did you like it? Yeah, <laughs> man. You, I mean, you How could, do you pick which ones to do? Well, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. We were just <laughs> pouring stuff together that we thought tasted similar. But now that I'm a little more knowledgeable, I would probably take stuff that's made by the same distiller or you know has the same mash bill, things like that. So or, I think Blanton's and Rock Hill Farms would be a great blend opportunity. All right, that's going to be my next glass. I think it would also be cool to, to mix 
like a uh, Booker's or Baker's, like a really high proof with something that's lower proof and a little different profile. We we'll see what happens. So Basil Hayden, low proof, yeah, with a Baker's or a Booker's, because those are all in the same bean right. family. That'd be a good blend, possibly. It's almost incestuous, though. Kind of in the same family. I might go outside the family. Like a like a Weller twelve, yeah, with the Booker's. That sounds phenomenal. Actually, um, at our um, at our club we play golf at, they have. Um, Lane, I don't know if you got in on this. They were having. He did. He did. They're having. Um, Van Winkles were going for like nine bucks. Pork. I did. I hit in on that. You get on the twelve year, didn't you? Like me. Yeah, because they're out of fifteen. Yeah, I was he, late. He, he gulped up all the fifteen. I believe that. Thirteen bucks, right? Thirteen bucks for the fifteen glass, year pack. And they were doing about two and a half ounce pours. Man, that's member benefits. That is. I, so, you know, when I heard that, my instinct was to go in there and like get uh, fill up a bottle with it. But then I was like, that's kind of a jerk move. That's a total dick move. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> but you know, the the free market guy means like, well, that'll teach them to raise their price. But then I'm just, <laughs> but I'm it's just a club. Screwed. I'm screwing everybody. I didn't do it. I did. I did buy three glasses, so I didn't take advantage. But that's my instinct was. I'm going to get all that bourbon. That'll teach them. <laughs> That'll teach them. <laughs> That'll teach them to give us good prices on things that we love. He's such a <laughs> How free dare market you? guy. He'll ruin everything <laughs> to prove a point. That's amazing. So shout out to Lake Forest Country Club on that, man. For wow, sure. we are, we're living good. Um, so I also ran across this cool other article as we're approaching summer, even though this weather's terrible, cold and everything, but I ran across this article when you go to the beach, because a lot of people are at spring break right now, you go to the beach, if you get all kinds of sand, like your kids get covered with sand, and it's hard to get off, and you think you got to take a shower, no, just sprinkle baby powder on it, and that absorbs all the moisture off, and then it just wipes off. Everything just wipes off together. So there's a little pro That's tip. That's a nice tidbit. I like that. Yeah. I'm about to tell Because it is hard to get sand off. Hell yeah, it is. Normally, we... Lately, you know, we're going to uh, my wife's parents' uh, condo, and they've got the shower, and then they've got the pool. So you shower, and then you jump in the pool. But they didn't have that. And you're just coming in from the beach to a house or something? Oh, yeah. yeah it's definitely not optimal to have all that sand in your tub or your shower floor, you know? <laughs> right. So you like to get all that off there. And it's not optimal Baby for powder. the condo owners that have the pools to have all that sand at the bottom of the pool. Right. Because then it just, you know, it works on the filter. And just that costs money, and then they have to worry about cleaning all the sand out of there. That costs money. So it's definitely best to have that baby powder handy and just wipe that puppy off. I can imagine people just unloading baby (laughs) powder on their, on their, like their five year old. You see clouds of powder (laughs) flying up in the ocean wind. Wow. Yeah. There's, uh, and then there's, um, when I was reading it, all the comments were like, baby powder causes cancer. What? That's because of that. Chick that won um, like seventy five million recently. Did you hear about that? Aaron Andrews? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's this woman that had cervical cancer, if I remember correctly, and somehow she, I think it was Johnson and Johnson, paid her like seven seventy five million dollars. Somehow she proved that the talc, talc. I, I, I yeah. can't even speak educated. It's the talc. The talc inside the baby powder, which I don't believe they put any in there anymore. 
right? Oh, I don't know. This it's is a all- mix, I think, sometimes of talc and cornstarch. So she proved that it was linked to uh, cervical cancer, and it's what was probably caused her cervical cancer. So they wow. paid her medical bills and emotional, physical damages and all that. And there's other people lining up, I'm sure. Don't Jeez. Know. Nick, can you look up if Johnson's Johnson's baby powder still That's contains talc? Pretty sure it doesn't. Let's look it up. Yeah, I'll look it before up. Before we start. I'll, um, I'll check it out here in a minute. Stay tuned for other cool ways to get cancer from Andy Swan. <laughs> <laughs> it probably this was like from the seventies or something, right? Like she got she used it back then, they changed their formula. I don't know, because the way that people it, it's from an old formula. I remember that for sure. Well, the way that people were um commenting on this though, they were serious. But that's internet comments. Yeah, come on. You read the headline of one article, bunch of idiots. That's what happens. Looks like it's ovarian cancer, Johnson Johnson talcum powder. And no, they no longer. Uh, they can't, obviously. 72 million in talcum powder related cancer case. And this was in February of this year. Wow. That's a big score. <laughs> Jury awards $72 million in Johnson Johnson talcum powder no. ovarian cancer lawsuit. Wow. Yeah, totally not worth it, but that's a big judgment. That's a big judgment. Although Aaron Andrews got almost that much for some dude's peephole in her. That's worth it. That's totally worth it. It's like Kramer with the reverse peephole. <laughs> If our Do you policy is if people want to look, we're we're not ashamed of our bodies. We say enjoy the, <laughs> the show. show. The show. That's what he says. That's right. Because him and Newman put reverse peepholes on their door so that they could see into their apartment before they walked in in case someone was in there with a sock of pennies ready yeah. to ready to <laughs> jack them, so they couldn't see out their own door. But people could look in anytime. Genius man, I miss Seinfeld. I've got um. A board meeting next week with Riskalyze. And I was just reading somebody tweeted here locally about Aetna, the company. Their their board members get $300,000 a year to be on the board. Riskalyze does not pay that type of level. (laughs) I was guessing that they weren't. Um, But my response to that was, I mean, Aetna's a big public company. You got to attract the best and brightest there's only so many boards people are going to be on, so you got to pay up to have the top talent on your board. Um, but that's, you know. You're saying you're not top talent? I'm not, you know, I'm not there. I don't know, man. I'm not public company uh, status at this point. I'm on risk loss board. I think we're going to. It's not what you know, it's who you know. I think we're. No, that's bull. We're going to bring that up, though. <laughs> risk will be my first. Here's my call. Risk will be my first public company that I'm on the board of. Because I think they'll get there. They're certainly moving that direction. And one of the things I wanted to talk about today was the way that they do their board meetings. Aaron Klein does a really good job with board meetings. Um, first of all, it is not, I've been on some other boards where you kind of just show up or call in once every quarter and they just kind of tell you what's going on at the company. And then that's kind of it. And it's, are there any concerns or, you know, things like that? That's not how they probably want you to not answer. Like, no, sounds great. Keep going. Yeah, they just want a rubber stamp and right. just kind of 
move on. And especially if things are going poorly, that's the way people behave. They want to kind of not disappoint anybody, but that's when you need to lean on your board the most. And so what Klein does that I really like, um, you know, he sends out a board packet about two weeks, 10 days before the meeting. I'm talking full deal, probably 30, 40 pages of here's all of the information about the company. Here's how we've performed. Here's the outstanding issues. Here are the open questions for the board meeting. Please submit your thoughts and questions prior so that I can have these in here. In other words, everybody's coming to the meeting super prepared with all of the facts in mind. This is not a fact sharing session. This is a strategy session. And this is, uh, you know, forward looking, not backward looking. I think that's the biggest difference between the good boards I've been on and the bad boards I've been on. And, you know, Lane and I, I mean, we have a very small company like Folio has what four or five. If you include the guys in, um, South America, we've got five or six total people working on what we're doing and no outside investors. And so our board is basically just me, Landon, and my dad, who's um, who's an awesome sort of outside influence. CPA, knows all the numbers, all that stuff. Um, but you can fall into a trap when you're that small of not putting yourself in the kind of accountability position that Aaron Klein intentionally puts himself in with risk allies, and that is I'm going to share all the information on this regular basis, and I'm going to get really smart people commenting on it, and everybody's going to know what's going on. We're all going to think forward and have accountability every three months and monthly calls and things like that. So I think that's you know, sort of a tip for entrepreneurs out there, something Landon and I can be doing better. Everybody that owns a company, even if you're the only employee, get some people. You don't have to formalize a board. Just get some advisors and have a regular process that you go through with people outside of your company that have domain expertise or knowledge that you don't. and um, Who are not afraid to tell you that you're doing it wrong. Right. Right. That's key. Yeah, that's super key. That don't, that aren't beholden to you. Yeah, you or don't, you don't want a bunch of yes men on your board. Right. Yeah, Fred Wilson has some great posts on that on USV. Or on avc.com, uh, on s- selecting a board and how to run board meetings. He did a nice podcast on that. But, um, you know, I just want to bring that up because it's coming up for me next week and it's like something I prepare for, you know, a week in advance. Whereas other, other boards I've been on, it's like, Oh, that's today. Right. Okay. Strolling there. I'll call into that one. Let's hear how things are going. That's kind of it. And those companies, don't do as well as risk lies. So it's like an or- earnings call versus a board meeting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good work, Spe- Aaron. Yeah, he's doing great. That's speaking cool. speaking of doing great, um, Tesla, 325,000 cars now. They sold, they pre sold. 325,000 people have put in a refundable deposit of $1,000. $1,000. So that's $325 million into the bank. Fourteen billion in per potential revenue. We need to have an over under on what percent of people refund versus f- follow through, as well as an over under on the average sticker price or the average sale price of that first round. 
Because it comes, it was marked at what, like thirty five thousand. He, he already base. he already said the average sale price. So they're basing the fourteen billion dollar revenue estimate on the average sale price of forty one and a half or something like that. 40, that low, forty two okay. and a half. I'm just curious because what's the base? Thirty five. Thirty five. And what's the decked out? Do you know? They haven't really said yet, which is how it brings me to the question. Now that we're talking about it, how do they? How are they getting this forty-two thousand five hundred dollar number? If right, you're just putting down the thousand dollar deposit, and you have no models to choose from. My guess is they're just guessing based on what they've seen with what they have seen with uh, Model S, Model X, in terms of the features that people tend to upgrade to in the packages they take. That's logical. What's what's the difference? The Model S is amazing. What's the difference between that and what they're saying about the Model Three? Why is it sixty thousand dollars different? Is it just because it was out first? No, if so, that's going to burn the, the, the S. The Model S is a larger car, has more options on the inside, you know, totally different layout. It's got a LED dash. It's got the big, huge LED screen in the, you know, center console mm-hmm. area. I think the Model 3 just has Three a, doesn't have that. The 3 has a landscape versus a portrait uh, screen. And it doesn't have a dashboard. It doesn't have an LED dashboard. It's just everything's on the screen, the landscape screen in the middle gotcha. of okay. the dash, basically. So that's where your speed is. That's where all your interaction with the vehicle is. So you look to the right a little bit to you see You look to the right is? a little bit. It's in the very top left-hand corner of the landscape. That's kind of unusual. <laughs> it is. And there's a few unusual things about the interior, but Elon Musk did say that the uh, current interior that you're seeing on the unveil is not the real interior. That's just the exterior. So they're doing part two unveil down the road here where they're going to actually show you the real steering wheel. Man, that makes the me real think interior. they're so far away. What's the delivery date on these estimated to be? They're estimating uh, Q3 2017. Jeez. This is the world's biggest Kickstarter. I feel like that is a long time to sit on a $1,000 deposit and not like a better car that comes out. Because they're not the only ones that can make a car like this in the next year and a half. That's what, I, that's what I'm talking about right there. If I'm GM, big risk. If I'm GM or Ford or BMW or I mean, Nissan, yeah, my goal would be to disrupt the hell out of this 325,000 orders. It would be how many of those can we steal? Right. I would think you could get some. I mean, you're talking, first of all, I I don't believe personally that they're going to be delivering cars in 2017. Just a guess, based on what I've seen with the Model, if X. They do, Model it's, X. It's under like some percent. It's like 10% of yeah, people like get 5, them. 5,000 people get them. Right. Yeah, the, I mean, the Model S and the Model X, neither of them met their initial delivery date, um, timeline, whatever. But I think the X was really terrible. Really? You know they already had the established chassis from the because all they they use the chassis from the Model S, so this one they have a completely new chassis and a completely new vehicle. You know there's nothing similar from you know production standpoint. So they build the Model X on the Model S production line. The Model Three, from my understanding, has to be a completely new production line. Right. Well, it just makes me think that Elon Musk is trying a new thing. Right, you've always heard of under promise over deliver. I think that Elon Musk is trying over promise over deliver. You know, like he just 
and it's working. Three hundred twenty-five thousand people put plunk down a thousand bucks. You get three hundred twenty-five million in the bank. That definitely helps any sort of production problems. And you know, you basically got a waiting list of people ready to buy these cars. If you're, let's say you're number one hundred thousand in line, which I doubt you really have that type of visibility to see. Let's say you're number hundred thousand in line. And they say, all right, you're going to get your car in. February of 2018. And then, all right, so you're like, okay, well, a thousand bucks is out. The weird thing is, what car do I get between now and then? Can't really lease anything else. Is something else going to come along? Like Landon said, it's, re- it's refundable, so I can always keep shopping. So I'm just on a list, basically, for a thousand bucks. I'm not really that committed. Uh, but anyway, let's say you're really pumped about your Model 3. And it says you're going to get your car February 2018. And then in December of 2017, they say, sorry, it's going to be July. And then somebody else comes out with the Model 3 killer. Yeah, it either goes one of two ways because I would think once you've waited that long. Maybe. It's kind of like a sunk cost deal, you know, where you're going to be like, damn, I've waited this long. Emotional. It would be like forfeiting. Plus, it's cool, you know, you get one of the first Model 3s. I've been on this list for two years. <laughs> but, you know what? A lot can change. One of these other companies comes out and puts out something that's really amazing. So much can change. If you think about two years ago, totally different in terms of, I mean, Teslas were cool, but I don't remember people talking about them. I hadn't met anybody that had test drove one two years ago. It was kind of close. Maybe three years ago. Is a better example, but right. that's the difference. I mean, so much can change the acceleration. Um, Plus, are their patents all still open? Is that still their deal? Because that seems kind of crazy. I think there was just a bunch of them they opened up, not all of them. Okay. Because yeah, they wanted to catapult the whole industry forward, the electric car industry. That might come back to bite them. Maybe. Yeah. It could. I assume, I assume it he knows what he. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't underestimate Elon Musk. I agree. I'm just saying, I do, I do underestimate away. his avil- ability to deliver a car on the date that he says he's going to deliver. Because he's over, right? He hasn't done it yet. But I don't underestimate him as far as his vision. Sure. And his grasp on competition and, and all that good stuff. Well, he owns, or he's CEO of Solar City, right? Correct. CEO of Tesla. Correct. And SpaceX. Correct. So... You can envision so, and Tesla's putting out these uh, Powerwall. Yeah, the Powerwall. Those like, are cool. The like charger battery for stick. your house. Basically. It's a battery for your house. Charges it can charge off a of solar provided by Solar City. So in his, if you think about it, if you plugged up your Tesla to your power Powerwall Powerwall that is hooked up to solar panels built by te- by Solar, solar City. City. Like you're one step away from the trifecta. You're just waiting for your rocket ship vacation. Rocket ship (laughs) vacation. (laughs) Then you're all. uh, I'm in on that. Hell yeah. I mean, that's crazy what he's doing. So, such big vision. Yeah. Good for us. He's a a game changer. It's good for us. I hope he gets super rich and. Oh, he's already super rich, but I'm talking like. I want people like that. In all fairness, he is super rich, but he takes. Big 
big risks. I mean, when Tesla was about to go under, he plunked down a hundred million of his own. And I think he was bankrupt at that point after he wrote that hundred million dollar check. Wow. I didn't know that. He took a, yeah, he just took a huge risk. That's awesome. Yeah. But he knows, he knows he's got the only asset that really matters locked between, locked behind his eyeballs. The greatest wealth creation tool you can have locked behind your eyeballs. You don't need capital that much. It helps. But if you got the brain and the ambition like he has, you don't really have to have a hundred million dollars to make the next thing. Um, That's true. He could be bankrupt tomorrow and he could get funded for the next company. All of his companies could go whatever, for whatever reason they could go bankrupt and he could still pitch to some VCs and get funded for a hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's like how they talk about Trump. You well, know? He would think he would have to pitch. They would just be like throwing yeah, hundred million dollar checks yeah. at him. Just do whatever you want, dude. Just take and my money, please. Making it rain on him. Yeah, like they talk about Trump, you know, with these four reorg bankruptcies that he did in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Out of what, a couple hundred and companies? Even that, who cares? Like still here we are. You know, he's self-funding a presidential campaign that he's winning. He's got his name all over buildings everywhere. He's obviously built things. He owns a jet. Like, you can't argue against, you know, you can't say, well, you had four missteps along the way, so therefore where you're at now is invalidated. That's actually the opposite. But if, if his dad gave him his inheritance and he just would have put the money in the S&P 500, God, that is so he'd be stupid. even richer. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And it's false. Of course it's false. His dad died in 99. They're basing it off like 25 years prior or something like that. Yeah, his dad died in 99. Trump made the Forbes 40 or whatever that it is, the richest deal, like in 84. And I now, no doubt, he... He benefited from his dad's status and wealth. No question. But to say he could have just been sitting in Hawaii with his money in the S&P 500 and be just as rich as he is today or richer or whatever the claim it's a is. a weird thing to say somebody should have done. Exactly. Wouldn't they hate him more? Oh, wouldn't totally. The, the lefties that say that kind of stuff, wouldn't they hate him more if he was oh, like that? Oh, yeah. Just an heir, one of these prick heirs that never did right. anything. Like That's their answer to every 1%er. Well, he just got his money. Like, well, yeah, he got it, and then he, whatever, 20 times it, or I don't know what the number is, but he, yeah, something. he multiplied it. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, it, what... What should he have done? That's right. the question. There, there's no right answer. There's no right answer. He's he's wrong in a lot of categories. Well, if you look at, um, I was listening to Ben Shapiro. He did a little talk at one of these universities. I just caught like the first five minutes of it, just, um, listening. But he said, you know, the difference is if if Bernie Sanders or one of these, you know, super liberal types walks into a room. And they see two people, one of whom is whatever, in bad shape financially, didn't go to college, uh, you know, has major problems in terms of, you know, what they can afford or whatever. And then sees another person who's doing well. His assumption, his default is that the person that doesn't have much 
was wronged and probably by the person that does have more. Right. Like there's, there's no thought process to, well, what decisions did the two people make that are different? What, you know, how hard did one work versus the other? What drugs did one get into the other didn't? What violent activities did one get into that the other didn't? So this whole mentality that by looking at outcome, you can determine whether something's fair or not is just ridiculous. I mean, it's just, and it's a cancer on it is our society. The assumptions that go into that are insane. Like that everyone is start starts out equal, I guess. I mean, there's just so many different variables that go into what make up a person. Starting with the generation before, of course, parenting, how you were raised and all that, advantages that you got, and then also the decisions that you make throughout your life from your intelligence or your natural gifts that some people have that don't, others don't. Uh, some people squander, some people accelerate those gifts. It's just, it's insane. Yeah, there's so much difference. It's like if you went to a basketball game and you looked up at the scoreboard and it was 68 to 42, would you say, well, the team of 68 must have cheated? It's not fair. It's not fair. Like, this is a weird way to look at life. It's so negative, too. It's so negative. Instead of celebrating when people succeed, it's always like, oh, that guy, he got wronged. The other guy must have wronged him. Let's figure it out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why people want to. It feels good. If, if you're not doing well, then that mentality is appealing if you're, in my mind, weak because then it's like, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, if especially you, when the successful guy's a prick like Trump. Yeah, oh yeah. Right. He's, not, he's not doing successful guys any favors. No way. With that. <laughs> I mean, when you're a prick like Trump, you're just inviting that. But it's also one of his greatest assets. You know, he can he can dismantle an argument really quickly, too, or di- or just completely disarm an opponent like like that. Which I like about, you know, I like that about him. A lot of the time. It's going to be years before you think of Jeb and you don't think low energy. <laughs> years. Mm-hmm. Trump will have to fade away before Jeb can ever run again and not be low energy. Little Marco. Little Marco. Lion Ted Cruz. Lion Ted Cruz. Oh, you know all the taglines. Oh, Marco. Jeez. He, whoever told him to sling mud back that week that he did that, I hope that they're fired and their career has struggled because of that. That was so stupid when he started going back with insults on Trump. It's like all of a sudden he he was so like he spelt he spoke so well. He had a lot of repeats and stuff, but he was so presidential when he was alone with the message. You know what I mean? And I felt like he had a lot of potential, and he just totally. And now just, he's now he's uh, saying he's going to bow out for politics for the long run. Whether, got, whether or not that's true. Trump rattled him Big so time, bad. Man. Big time. Big time. Oh, man. We got a um, we got an Amazon Echo last night. Oh, you did? Yeah. I was thinking about getting one of those. Have you played with it? Yeah. Alexa. Alexa. I'm like, Alexa, what's the weather? Well, today, there's a freeze warning tomorrow, and the high today is projected to be 50 degrees, blah, 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 blah. Rattles it all off perfectly. It's like a hundred bucks, right? I yeah, I think it might have been like one twenty, one fifty. But what can you do with like it? Three That's models the now. There's the Echo and yeah, the Echo's the one to get though. Is you, if, if it's gonna be your first one, because it's got a nice speaker built into it. So a lot of what 
a lot of the value we're seeing just in the first 24 hours of having it is we'll just say Alexa play Zach play Brown play Zach Brown band. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, shuffling Zach Brown band from Amazon Prime. Just completely everything free and it's just playing that's songs cool. with a nice sound. So we've got the home automation system through Control 4 and Alexa or Echo can interact with it. Yeah. But it's limited to 30 different commands right now for some reason. And that you can use those up really fast. So once that goes away, I, I really look forward to getting it because it's so cheap. And it, that that's what completes the home automation in my mind. Mm. It's like turn on the TV, dim the lights, do this, close the garage door, set the alarm. You can say all those things. That would be super cool. But 30 commands is just too low right now. So I'm waiting. That's too low? That's oh. a lot of commands, dude. Are they the, <laughs> it's like, ridiculously too low. Like what else would you do? Well, we've got however many rooms. Each room has got... You know, turn the room off, turn the lights on, turn the lights down, you know, turn the TV on, switch input on the TV. Volume up, down. Volume up, down. I mean, you it's going to be hundreds. So 30 is just silly. Hmm. Now, it's within, within each command, there's like four things that it can do, on, off, up, or down, I think. But still, even with that limitation, you'd, you'd be wrong because you'd want to watch, you know, say I want to watch Roku and the hearth room and then... What about, you know, turning the DVR on in the master and turning the basement off? And just like, there's a lot of ways you can get through 30 commands really quickly. I feel like 30 commands plus all the other cool stuff it does on top of the home automation opportunity in your case might be a good value proposition. I think it's cool just as a standalone I, unit. I think it is cool. It's I'm just like, it can do so much with what we've already invested in our house. I'm like, ugh. It's not worth it. Like, yeah, I'm a nerd in the, you know, Star Trek when you, they're on the ship and they always say, computer, do this or ask it a question. That's what it is. And the computer can do anything. And um, my house is like ready for the computer to be plugged in and for 200 bucks, basically, it's like $100 for the driver, $100 for the Echo. It's like right there. Just the uh, driver needs to be better. They're expecting it to start working with the Nest thermostat and whatever that smart um, deadbolt is. Can't right. Remember. Yeah. Right, so I've, this, this is what I'm talking about. I've it got can, the thermostat. Do, do you the have garage. any of those? No, I don't have anything. We don't have any smart. Our house is dumb. Dumb house. This is dumb house. <laughs> dumb house. Ours is smart, but you got to push buttons. I want to be able to talk to it. Sure, well, that'd be cool. So what else? What else have you done with it? Um, Alexa, request an Uber. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, now you might have just changed my mind. You can request Ubers? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. The, and then she'll come on and she'll say, uh, there's an Uber X available 12 minutes away. Do you want me to request it? And you say yes. And what? it's on its way. I didn't know that. Uber, hmm. order me a pizza. That's badass. That's tied into Domino's. And it just orders. Alexa, order me a pizza. Yeah. What did I say? Uber. Uber. No, Alexa. That's the next step. Or, yeah, Alexa, Uber me a pizza. Right. I don't want to even <laughs> deal with the driver. <laughs> wow, that's cool. So it works with Uber. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, I didn't know. That, it's know got that. what is called skills, mm-hmm. and so it, there's an Amazon SDK. And by the way, I'm going to go ahead and say this: entrepreneurs out there listening, looking for a side project, hit me up or just do it yourself. You. You should be building on this SDK because you can build skills for Alexa. And so if your company has something or you have an idea, it's 
it looks really easy to build um, a skill for Alexa that can tie into any number of internet databases or whatever. And so um, I, there, there's some cool ones. And it looks really easy to build on. So back back to like the pizza real quick. Yeah, is it the same similar thing to? Uh, is there basically one type of pizza that you tie into Alexa? Yeah. Okay. I think so. So you say order me a pizza, and it goes get you the Domino's pizza with pepperoni and sausage, large. Your favorite. Yeah. Your like, favorite. The other thing I ordered. The first thing I did, um, I said Alexa, get me new running shoes. Order me new running shoes. And she looks back in your Amazon purchase history and says, do you mean the Sonkoi, uh Series 9, size 15, blah, 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 blah? I was like, yes. She said, okay, it's been ordered. <laughs> then I look at my app. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You know, I'm such a nerd. I got my app. Alexa's a gangster. Yeah. I got wow. my app, my Amazon app app. Half second later, I hit your orders, and it's there. Being delivered Saturday. Yeah, one of the, one of the that's cool. That's pretty rad. That is super rad. One cool thing I like is the shopping list, where you have general household things, you know, that aren't perishable. So if you run out of bottled water, you can say Alexa, add water to my shopping list. Alexa, add uh, dishwashing soap to my shopping list. So she'll add it to your shopping list in Amazon Prime Pantry. And once you get up to a specific amount, was it fifty bucks? Yeah, I don't think that's true. No. No. I was, that's one thing I was disappointed in because it doesn't look like it works with pantry. Okay. So it's either she orders it or she doesn't. So you could say order more detergent. I'm sure that's coming though, right? Yeah. I mean, I know you can add to a shopping list for sure. The shopping list is an app, is on the Alexa app and it's just a list. It's like a, you know. Oh, it's just a text list. It's a text list. She doesn't do anything with that. Right. You can just view it later. You can view it and. Hit buy all or delete a couple of things and then buy. No, you no, can't you buy. can't do anything. You just look at it. It's just a list. It's just a text. It's just list. a list. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> you have a list. Oh, that's some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wanting. But so right now, in terms of actually purchasing things through Amazon, you have two options. One is to purchase something, and that is just like if you went into Amazon and clicked to buy whatever it is, and she'll look through your order history and figure out what you're probably talking about, ask you to confirm, you say yes, and it goes into an order that's going to be... Or you can say, add to my cart. And then you can build up a cart and then review later. But there's no add to Amazon Pantry at this point. Because I was thinking like you. What I wanted was, I just wanted to rattle off stuff as we run out of it. And then once a pantry bo- an Amazon Pantry box is full, it sends me all the stuff. But apparently that's not the case right now. So that was disappointing. You know that's coming. It's got to. That's coming. You'll you'll say like your fifth or sixth item, and she'll say, okay, your pantry box is at $50. Would you like me to go ahead and send it now, or do you want to continue to wait? Yeah, it's a total game changer. Send me it now, Alexa. We are living in the future. It's awesome. Back in the day, you know, it's all about flying cars. <laughs> we got a lot cooler stuff than that. We got same day Amazon delivery for free. And it's going to be by drone. I mean, pretty soon you're going to be able to say, Alexa, give me this. And then 30 minutes later, a little mini helicopter is going (laughs) to drop it off right outside your front door. If that's not the future, I don't know what is. That's great. I don't know. And it's all by one company. That's really crazy. I know. 
Did you see that Louisville was added to the same day free prime delivery? I'm excited about that. That's Although that now I wonder if that counts me since I'm a mile outside of Louisville. <laughs> County line. It knows your default address and it won't show you items unless unless you qualify. Cool. I'll check it out. Same day. That's awesome. Well, like you said, it's, it's a all residential. It's all the same company. It's all Jeff Bezos. He had a great quote I kind of want to share with everybody here. I put it on um, Fred Wilson's blog as a comment. Got a lot of traction on there. It's Jeff Bezos' quote. I found it pretty inspiring. Uh, here it is. We all know that if you swing for the fences, you're going to strike out a lot, but you're also going to hit some home runs. The difference between baseball and business, however, is that baseball has truncated outcome distribution. When you swing... No matter how well you connect with the ball, the most runs you can get is four. In business, every once in a while, when you step up to the plate, you can score 1,000 runs. This long-tailed distribution of returns is why it's important to be bold. Big winners pay for so many experiments. I love that you can hit a, I don't know what you call it, but when you get 1,000 runs. 1,000 run homer. A super epic grand slam, yeah. whatever that is. I love that you can do that. That's yeah. a, I, I've never thought about that. And that's a great quote. That's the way to that's the way to approach it. It's not always four X. That's not the max. There's no max. Right. That was a pretty amazing quote. Yeah, it'll kind of blow your mind if you really start thinking through it and it'll kind of change your vision and your scope, which I think is one of the most important things that can happen to an entrepreneur. I mean, I challenge myself all the time. It's one of the hardest things to wrap your mind around because you're sitting there, you're looking at this damn screen all day, you're responding to emails, you're responding to tweets, like you're constantly responding, and you and you find yourself in this narrow box of potential action items, right? But instead, mm -hmm. if you're Jeff Bezos or you're Elon Musk and you're talking about spaceships and solar panels and and you know self-driving cars and all this stuff or you're talking about you know robots in people's houses that can order products from your company that are delivered the same day by drone i mean like awesome. that it isn't that it's not you know jeff bezos and elon musk are obviously extremely smart guys but there are extremely smart men and women scattered all over the place there's a, literally a million of them in in the united states Right. And the difference between Elon Musk and me or the difference between Jeff Bezos and Landon or Nick Fenton or 90 percent of the people listening to this is not their intelligence. It's not their connections. It's that their vision and scope of what they tried to do was not limited by their current experience. You know, I think um, in those kind of companies, something that can create that is a le is employees underneath you that take care of that. And that's a struggle for entrepreneurs is that you've got to wear all those hats. And so that means you've got to do so many things and you're, you're boxed in mentally for so much of your time throughout the day. Whereas imagine if you had an employee for each one of those hats who were reporting to you, telling you what got happened, what happened and what challenges are, whatever. And you just sat there and thought about big picture stuff and, worked on that execution be yeah. very different and that's oh, the totally different that's the situation they're in through their their ability to put themselves in that situation they're not lucky but that is a major difference 
that's one of the biggest um it's, it's one of the biggest chicken and the egg kind of things because people so i always kind of shy away from venture capital funding like that's the whole thing but if you really want to get into it like venture capital funding is what allows for that kind of thinking most of the time because that's what allows you before you're ready before you're trapped in this small box of uh delivery and execution on this current idea to hire underneath of you and right. to build out the the capabilities of a business that can do more than what it's currently doing right otherwise it's a slower grind i mean you can get there without venture funding but that would be one of the big things and but it's chicken the egg because no one's going to invest in you until you have a big enough idea right that it's no one wants to invest right. in, in a company just to help it grow you know 20 percent over the next five years they want to invest in the big idea the big game changer the um you know the solar panels and rocket ships so but it's hard to get there it's hard to have that idea until you have the capital and the people taking care of current right projects so that's a t- that's a tough thing it's something that we struggle with constantly uh Landon and I um you know it's doing right by your current clients it's continuing to grow your current uh business but then you know that big opportunity right yeah are you going to see it? Are you going to embrace it? Are you going to swing for a thousand run hit? Or are you going to? That hit, that hits home for me because I think if, if I were forced to not be an entrepreneur and go interview for a job, I would probably say that one of my biggest strengths is execution. And that like by definition means I'm self boxing in. Right. You know what I You've mean? You've got a task list and you, and well, you not taskless but yeah i have i have things i want to build and take them from idea to done and it's like there's there's some vision there but it's not like the step back vision where if i could hire an execution guy and be like all right go execute that and then report to me and let me think about how we can integrate that other ways that would be that's like next level yeah so i kind of want to i'm gonna work on that personally yeah me too i think everybody should work on that because that's how you ch- that's how you change the world, man. We're only here for so long. We only got so many shots. You only you don't know. spend all your time answering emails and tweeting people. I know. <laughs> got to do some thinking, man. It really hit some me. Thinking and some drinking. Last weekend when I was uh, hiking up that Camelback Mountain, which is a tough hike and it's pretty fun. But I mean, the one thing I don't know why it's like when you get in nature like that, or you get, I mean, it's a crowded it. it you know, it's a trail, and I'm not trying to say I climbed a mountain, right? But I'm saying it was a cool experience to go for an hour of hiking up, you know, something pretty steep with some interesting little challenges in it. I mean, six-year-olds can do it, but it was just a different thing than your normal day-to-day activity. And you're not looking at your phone for that hour. You're not talking to anyone. You're just out there. You're just breathing air and thinking and you know taking stuff in and i was just like man i don't know what it was about it charged me up so much i was just like i just gotta start bringing intensity to my life <laughs> like true intensity to the things that i do i think a lot of times you get in these patterns of just behaviors and you know you try to do a good job with what you're doing but 
I think that sort of the difference between good and great a lot of times comes down to intensity, not duration. So if you can just go so hard at something, you know, like my workouts this week, I've been trying to go so hard and intense. Um, when I sit down to do a project or, or think about something, I try to do it really intensely. It was like, that's between that and discipline. Those are my two words of 2016. Now they're kind of battling it out and I'm loving it. Combine those. Intensipline. We're thinking the same thing. Wow. That's great. I think, uh, I, I totally agree with that. Getting out there and doing things really refreshes you and really makes you think and strive harder. That's why I think it's important to do that several times a year, have a, a little getaway several times a year. Because if you don't, you come back from this three day intense situation where you're in nature and you're feeling real revived when you come home. And then a month later, you're back to kind of the lull yeah. sitting in the chair. Well, that was fun for a minute, but I've totally forgotten about that now. Right. You need to reset and get back out there and do stuff so that you can stay consistent, you know, and being motivated for that intensity situation, intensipline. This, this kind of brings up something I've been thinking about lately. You know, when we look at politicians and what they're saying about this guy has more, this guy has less and all that whole battle. It's interesting. It, it kind of hit me like within the last month or two that they're always talking about money and assets. And this is going to be kind of hippie of me, but what if that wasn't the goal in your life and it was always about having the most fun and experiences and being happy and like your asset list was I went, I hiked that trail, I went over here and had that experience and that's all you did and you you made enough money to fund that and that's it. That That still seems like an extremely successful life and I kind of wish that we could measure happiness so that the politicians had something else to talk about instead of, well, that guy makes, he's 1%. Well, 1% of what? You know, is he 1% happy? And let's let's look at why instead of looking at why he's 1% financially. It's kind of an interesting angle on life. Yeah, it is. I, I think it's, I think what you're talking about is there's a break point. I think it's been studied a little bit. I can't remember. I read something about where this break point is. But for um, a mass of the population, money and happiness go hand in hand because up to a certain point, that's true, right? Because if you're worried about right where dinner's coming from or if your car's going to get you to work tomorrow or whatever, it's tough to be happy, period. So there, there's this there's a section of income that is where most voters live. Right. So that's what's going to resonate with them is that money does mean this. It does mean it for them. But there's, there's a one to one ratio. But then if you're talking to someone, this hits on our Wellemeyer post. I mean, think about what he said with what Todd Wellemeyer when, when he was talking about having things. Yeah. Winning the lottery. He said, yeah, yeah just give it all but 10 million away. Yeah. That's what, yeah, exactly. Cause exactly. he's past that threshold. Whatever it is, he's past it. Yeah. And now he's, and He's, so is probably everybody listening to this. I mean, the, the the threshold is not that high. It's not like you have to make five hundred grand a year. You don't have to have ten million dollars in the bank. There, I think I can't remember the threshold was somewhere like around eighty, a hundred grand. Where, okay. where now, 
Depending on your city, probably. Yeah, depending on your <laughs> sure. city. All that stuff. But but now your basics are not a question. Like it's just not a question. You're gonna eat. Your you're kids gonna, are gonna have some toys. You're, yeah. You're gonna have a decent all that. car, decent house. All that. Yeah. But now it's about experiences, freedom, and additional security, right? Which are pretty common core parts of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought I think that's kind of that disconnect because the politicians are talking to a number of voters that's so large that that to them and not because they're wrong but because of the situation that they're in right money does equal greater happiness if they made 70 grand instead of 35 grand that's going to be a much happier be twice as happy probably year big deal right um that's a good point so I think that's the that's the disconnect, right? And that's where guys like, and that's why it's so easy to, and it's also why it's so easy when you're in a specific. I mean, I'm probably talking out of my ass here, but I'm just gonna go ahead go with this kind of thought train because I think if you're in a specific financially challenging situation where you feel like finances are holding back your happiness, that's when it's so easy to vilify and to degrade the 1% or whatever, mm-hmm. like to say that's not fair. And you almost imagine that they're having, because they have a thousand times the money as you, that they're having a thousand times better life. Which oh, is yeah. just absolutely untrue. They live in a Coke commercial 24-7. Right. It's, Everybody's got, smiling. Got a pool with waterfalls. <laughs> There's only so much Waiters shit waiting you can on do. them all right. the time and right. they're getting massages hour and a half every day right yeah but that doesn't happen so um that's where that kind of vilification comes from because if you talk to somebody i mean if you talk to a doctor or um you know anybody that's making a good living some uh you know middle executive 40 years old 45 years old worked his way up is now making 150 grand a year or whatever he is not vilifying the one percent like period, they it that is just that's not the dynamic that works. It works with twenty two year olds coming out of college, can't get a job. Everybody wants to pay them nine bucks an hour, and now there's they feel like this whole system stacked against them. And maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know, but that's the right. that's the appeal. Like that's the only way that that conversation happens. But that's where the bulk of voters are, right? So that's anyway. That's my political. Spiel. I like it. I hadn't thought of that angle. That's interesting. Yeah, well, we've, cool. hit, we've, we've hit the topics today. I mean, we went from using the same length irons to... Yeah, we did bounce around. I got to try that. I did too. I think I'm going to do it. Why not? I'm not? I mean, I'm just... I'm not... I guess the company sells them. <laughs> I don't know. just need to find a little more information about this guy. You can customize every club. So you could you can get it done yeah, okay. for the same price as buying a uh, new set. I think I'd want all mine eight iron length. I really like my eight iron. Me too. I what? don't know if you can hit an eight iron length club as far as you can hit a five iron. I guess we'll find out if you just take that loft down. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter as long as you're consistent. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're right, though. You can't hit an eight iron club as far as you can hit a five iron club. <laughs> Because the length of the club is going to play a role. 
We got to find out what Link Club's uh, homeboy uses. Yeah, you need to find out some more information. I bet it's either this. I bet it's either whatever's customized to you for a six or seven iron. I can see that. That's where the fittings happen. And then you say, make them all that length. That's all you got to do. Walk into some place, say, I want to get fitted for clubs. They'll pull one. They'll pull either six or seven iron off, probably. And you'll stand there and you'll hit. You'll go hit the machine. They'll say, all right, now we've got the, um, what's it called? The, um, the angle, the lie, whatever that we've got the length. I think it's the lie angle. The lie angle. We've got the length. We got all this, we got all this. That sounds like uh, measured a, out. a long say, con term. And then, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's your, your what's lie angle on this one? <laughs> How are you going to work this? <laughs> and you say, I want them all that length. Very cool. And the same weight. It's worth an experiment. Why not? What's I mean, going to happen? <laughs> you going to shoot 100? Who cares? I can do that any day. <laughs> right. It's easy. I'm still going to have less putts to the cup than Ernie on number Is one. No shit. <sighs> Only if you're trying to make it every time. I mean, I mean, if you're not trying, if you're trying to make it every time, you can seven putt. If you're trying to two putt, you'll two putt. He wasn't trying to two putt. Yeah, he's trying to hit true. every one of those. Oh, the last four, he wasn't trying to make them. Oh, he was tapping. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute, that one didn't go in either. Oh, this one. And then he was like hitting it with the back of the club, like wrist, he wrist got tapping. It. He, he was on tilt. F it. He's oh, just dude. like, I'm done. I'm done. First <laughs> hole of the Masters. It was first hole. Yeah, hole very number one. first. Hole I didn't know that. Of the whole a ten tournament. on hole number one on Thursday. On Thursday, first day, first hole. Oh, I think it was. A, I, I think <laughs> that we were wrong. I think it was a nine. I looked it up. Was it? I think they. It's posted as a nine on Masters dot com. Well, I'd say that settles it. That's amazing. Or maybe they just don't have room to put a ten. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Ouch! It might have been a ten. I read a ten, man. I did too. I'll but then I up. looked at the scoreboard and it had a nine. But man, now I'm thinking they don't have room for double digits on their scoreboard. Do you remember the major where it was someone had like a three-stroke lead going into 18 and they lost with a either a double or a triple? I think it was a triple bogey and they ended up losing. And he said after that, I could do better with a putter. He went back and played that hole dozens of times with just a putter until he got a double bogey just to prove that he could do it. And he did do it. So, uh-huh. so I just Google it. All right. First, Ernie L's seven putts first hole for a record ten at the Masters. ESPN.com. Yeah, if you're seven putting, it has Hold to on. be ten. Second thing on Google. Chip. Second, second uh, oh, no. article on Google. Ernie L's six putts first hole for a record nine at the Masters. ESPN.com. Oh, same ESPN source. Doesn't know what they're Different doing. numbers. What's it going to be? ESPN. One does We're say both right. One says one day ago, and the other one says twenty two hours ago. Six putt for a record nine says twenty two hours ago. I think it was a six putt. We gotta watch that. That's gotta, I gotta YouTube that. That sounds. Oh my gosh. That's un- <laughs> unbelievable. I don't know if I've ever six putted before. Not from five feet. No, there's, I've never six putted before. Not, what kind of, I mean, I don't know what, what, what I was like. No. How angled? No. Nothing crazy. No. It was flat, dude. Flat. It was flat. There was a little mound going into the hole. You know, the hole is like at a top. <laughs> Like a little bitty mound. Like miniature golf. (laughs) Just a tiny, tiny undulation there at the top of the, here, here you go. He put a, he double bogeyed it today too. (laughs) He played, how? Can't you just walk away at some point? That's a vine of the last four putts. Oh man, that's just ridiculous. That's crazy. He's trying to hit it with one arm. 
I mean, that's when you're like, watch it. Am I on the putting green or? Nope. Wow. And he taps it with the back. Yeah. Still misses. That's bad. Yeah, look that up. It's it's frustrating. I, you know, when I first heard that, I pictured, you know, going for the back of the cup. Oh, five footer became a seven footer. Tried again. Oh, now another six footer. No, these are like eighteen inches. Yeah, I've three putt from eighteen inches. That one. Before. So that was six inches. <laughs> he missed a six inch putt. His fifth putt was a six inch putt. He was uh, gone. Yeah, that's he was terrible. gone. I've three putt from eighteen inches before. Being a, I was above the hole on number ten. Yeah, you could do that. And it just and it and it caught like the lip and then How it somehow ex- does some it actually accelerate? Accelerates and it just it feels like it does. And then now I have a five foot side hiller. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's terrible. And you just think to yourself, man, I blew it. I've done that a number of times. There's no truncated returns in golf. That's the problem with golf <laughs> is is the number of times you can make a mistake is unlimited. <laughs> There's what? only so you can only put you, you can, can only put get it 18. in the hole or something bad can happen. Right. Yeah, that's true. Over and over again. <laughs> You're counting your screw ups in <laughs> golf. Yeah. In business, you're counting your successes. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I need your guys' advice on something. All right. Brittany and I are discussing renting our house out for Derby because we don't want to go this year. We're kind of feeling like off year or whatever. And so my neighbor told me we could probably get six or 7000 for it. Mm-hmm. I've never done it. I know you got it. For the week? No, for the weekend. So probably Thursday through Sunday? Probably Thursday. Thursday and check out Sunday, whatever yep. you want to call that. Um, I know you got to do a lot of prep work. You know, you clean up your, clean up the house completely. Obviously, it's got to be immaculate. But then also, like, got to move some of your clothes out, move some of your things out. Like, they have to have drawers. It's got to become sort of a hotel. Jewels, right? Cash, guns. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> seems seems like a lot of work. But it would be kind of cool to just you know get that money and. I don't know. Just a new experience. Been thinking about it. Where would you go? Well, you have to go out of town. Think so? Well, yeah, because hotels well, here's what are we're thinking. We were impossible. thinking. Definitely are getting a hotel. We're thinking one night at my parents' house, one night at her parents' house, kind of make it like a family weekend. Mm. That kind of deal. Okay. And then we could do out of town if it was three nights. Um, don't know. Gladio's Gladio done parents it. House, two nights. Yeah, Matt told me about that. He did it. Yeah. Once. Oh. I don't know if that's yeah, a signal once. or not. I know, I know a lady that's done it and has all but one year, everything was fine. One year, it was a disaster. Oh, I don't like that. They just trashed the place, yeah. just partied and went crazy. Yep. What's the protection? You do it through like an Airbnb or something, right? Or You can do it that way. The way a lot of people do it is through, um, I think that the way Matt did it was through like an executive uh, sort of okay. almost like a placement thing. That's how she does it. Yeah. And she had the disaster. Yep. Ooh, that's scary. I mean, it's part of the risk. I assume they're liable, right? Surely the guests, there's some sort of liability security deposit or whatever, but it's oh, still, it's just a deposit. So it's just a few thousand dollars. Probably it doesn't, so they, it doesn't cover the uh, fact that your home has been pillaged. And now you're coming back Sunday and everything's a disaster. What are you going to do then? So that, boy, I don't know. Now you got me worried. But, I mean, like I said, out of all the times, only once. 
How many times has she done it? If it's less than 100, then I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I need 99%. (laughs) Great point. Oh, man. Pretty sure she's done about 10 times. Ooh, 90%. That's scary. Well, the liability. I've got the security cameras. I feel like if they do something, I could be like, hey, I'm suing you for this. I don't want that headache, though, for $6,000. You might have talked me out of it. Sure, you'd be. Yeah, but six grand is nice. Nice to have in the bank. I think it's, isn't it not taxable or something? You can rent your home once. Or so. Is that, a, I don't know, I'm making this no up. No idea. I thought I heard that, though. Look into it. I'll, I'll approve it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'm in as long as you give me a live feed to the security camera. All right, if anybody wants to. Might be to, some privacy concerns if, with that. If, yeah. <laughs> I, just want, I just want to watch the pillaging. Oh. Landon literally has. By the way, for people that aren't aware, don't break into my house. He literally has what, like twelve guns on the wall. Oh, I thought you were talking about the cameras. Yeah, I no, yeah, it's it's about twelve. Yeah, like World War Two, like they're antiques, automatics. They're badass. Some of them are demilitarized. Yeah, the fully automatic ones are demilitarized. They don't work. The rest of them work. But but still, I'm thinking going through the process of renting out your home. There's yeah. something to be done with those. That's true. I have to take down my whole World War II wall. Oh boy. Well, report back. <laughs> I if, will do hey, some... if anybody wants to rent Landon's house and go to Derby, let us know. Especially if you're a fan of World War II memorabilia and won't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> if you like to look but not touch. Yeah, Shuffleboard. If, if you don't drink. And <laughs> if you... If oh, you, yeah. Yeah, your your house is very conducive to the partying, pillaging. <laughs> I was thinking it was this a- basement has a freaking full bar with a soda gun, <laughs> a shuffleboard. Oh man, let's go nuts! You Call guys, everybody. You guys aren't gonna believe this. I, I rented my house out to three priests and four nuns, and I came back, <laughs> and it was wrecked. That's true. I was thinking that the kegerator and like the hot tub would be a bonus for the. It's a bonus to rent it, but then it's not a that's, bonus for Sunday coming home. That's who you, that's, yeah, you're putting out the wrong Ooh. Yeah. magnet. You're, you're attracting the wrong bees with the wrong type of honey. <laughs> 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 okay. I didn't think about this. I'm, I'm very glad I asked. That's true. I would attract the pillaging kind. No doubt. All right. Let's go have a great weekend. Um, in suburban. In suburban. Some more bourbon. Let's get our intensity on. Intense. Be disciplined. Intensipline. Intensipline. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to start tweeting my intensity and discipline moments because I'm, I'm fired up. I want everybody else to be. The weather's starting to change. It's th- that time of year. You should also um, check out on dig.com. They got this great video. They set the world record for human mattress dominoes. So... <laughs> It's un- it's unbelievable. Wait, what's a human mattress? Yeah, hold no. on. Human dom- So you're everybody is there's a mattress standing up, and you're in front of it with your hands reached back, holding onto the mattress, and the one in front of you falls and hits you and knocks you over. Hits you in the back, and you fall. No, you hits you right in the front. Oh, and you fall backwards. You fall backwards into the next guy. And it's human dominoes and Serta. <laughs> I think it's Serta or Aaron's mattress record? company. What's guess, yeah, guess the record. <laughs> That's the record. That's so random. You bring your own mattress I out. Like there's I guess. suffocation. No, this is Aaron's, put it on. Aaron's um, 
whatever that store is. Yeah. So they. What if someone's really short and they get knocked over and the mattress collapses on their face and they're just suffocating there? That would suck. There was some a lot of variation. I was surprised how much variation there was between how far mattresses were apart. Human mattress like, I was like, if you're gonna do this, yeah, just do like two trial runs. It was with weird. 10 like people the, like make the sure. fifth dude, the mattress hits him barely on the knees. I'm like, I'm a, what? I'm gonna say 150. Wow, that's a lot. I was gonna say like, I feel like 80. it's a lot, but I also feel like it's too little. <laughs> You're right either way. I'm right either way. What was it? I, I know how to like hedge. 80. I know how to hedge so my vocal So if you bets. took the average of what you two guys said, yeah, times ten, you're insane. There's a thousand. See, I was right. Twelve hundred <laughs> mattresses. Twelve hundred. Yeah, and it just goes up and down like a um, like a snake pattern throughout this huge mat mattress warehouse. Is it a mattress warehouse? I think I don't know. It's a huge ma- warehouse. Twelve hundred. I got now. I have to see it. <laughs> it's amazing. You got to see it. I didn't know Dig was still a thing. Yeah, Dig. Um, Kevin Rose was on Joe Rogan. Yeah, a I couple just, days ago. I just listened to it. it. That was a pretty good show. It was great. Um, he so, was he was a good guest. Yeah, like he was he was very. Uh, he's got some good ideas. Amped and yeah, had, yeah, had good ideas. Brought brought conversation. Did um, the mattress snake ever almost not? Make it. You said somebody got hit in the knees, like on the turns. Was there any quote the turn, close calls? No, they were tight on the turns. Smart, okay. Yeah, they did it smart on the turns. I was just a little surprised when it first got started going that that one of those first dudes. I mean, it literally hit him just above the knees. Could he have decided to stand if he wanted? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, it was, there was some because the one in front then therefore is going so fast that because it's fallen further before it hits you. If it hits Ooh. you lower, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that mattress was falling. That could hurt. Yeah. I'd probably tear an ACL. <laughs> how'd you tear your, Somebody. how'd you tear your third what you, what ACL you, in? What were you doing? A <laughs> trick on your wakeboard? <laughs> mattress domino. <laughs> no, mattress dominoes. Human mattress dominoes. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? There's a fat guy in front of me and it was space bad. So shut up. <laughs> My foot was planted wrong. I'd oh. be the only guy that showed up in knee braces. <laughs> I'm ready, guys. Let's do warm ups. Let's do like stretching and stretching. Stretch. Air squats. <laughs> Got to loosen up my tendons and my joints, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. All right. We're going to cut it off. Let's get home. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. We'll catch yep. y'all later. This communication has been compromised. The Swantastic Swancast will be in touch again shortly.